Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So did you see some good news coming out of Sloan this past weekend? I hadn't I haven't seen any news coming out of Sloan, but I saw that it happened and was upset that we're not there yet. <laughs> I uh you know, I had that feeling last year too. I think I think we got to get there. We got to do it. We should. We can. Well, you can pretty easily. It's yeah. a little closer for you. Very easy for me. Cambridge is a little hop, skip and a jump. You could get there on the train even. Oh. <laughs> yeah, combine two of our loves. <laughs> Yeah, that would be awesome. I, it would take quite a bit longer train ride for me to get there. I mean, that's a good train ride. I've done that. I've done that train ride before. The Empire Builder down to Chicago. That's it's a long one from there. Yeah. Have you done the Empire Builder yet? No, I have not. Right, well, never been on the Empire Builder. We very quickly got off track from our planned <laughs> discussion, but that was a, as usual. That was a necessary deviation. I also have to thank you for backing me away from the edge of the ledge this week. Yeah, I pushed you there. I <laughs> you pushed did. you there pretty hard <laughs> to see if you were going to jump over, holding you, holding your uh, suspenders the entire time. Anytime your first rounder potentially goes down for the season, you got to be worried. Oh God, are you always worried? And I got the, I I got some angry messages about how I cursed him by uh, by mentioning him on the last on the last pod. I mean, you might have. We are, of course, talking about David Price, who uh, had some forearm soreness the other day reported. Never a good sign. Well, and then they just kept on compounding it. Forearm soreness. <laughs> yeah. Second opinion. Yeah. Dr. James Andrews. Like, oh, my God. that's You don't want to hear those things together. Well, I think, honestly, though, I felt better when I read that the MRI was inconclusive. Like, okay, well... That's something. It's not all over yet. Yeah, you read between the lines, though, and it might be that they're just going to play him softly. Oh, they're going to play him softly. I mean, this is what we were talking about with rolling drafts last week, though. Like, because the news broke and I was about to be on the clock, I ended up picking Danny Salazar, who maybe you'll tell me during the first half it was a bit of a reach. Yeah, no. It was fine. But, yeah, you you had to. It forced your hand there. And I was surprised that you didn't go with the next pick for another pitcher just to to protect yourself a little bit more. I mean, I I can't, right? After at some point you can only put so many resources into pitching and you got to hope that that kind of pays off, but yeah. Uh so I would guess that I'll probably lose a month of him though. I can't imagine that they'll try and push him too hard. So, I think I've already steeled myself to that. So, if you think it's going to be shorter, don't tell me because I'm preparing. No, I think that that's good. Just prepare for him to get like a late start into the season. Maybe his first start is middle of April. Yeah, hopefully the bad stuff is behind us. Quick note that I wanted to mention. We got some questions about Python. What is Python? And we throw around the word a lot. Um, Python is a scripting language that 
Mike and I use to write um, code for some of our tools. It does everything from help you download data from the internet to um, do some tabular manipulation, i.e. kind of Excel type functions. And um, it also helps you um, plot out points and graphs and, and stuff like that. Um, so we use it extensively. It's <laughs> it's sort of like that scene in the Matrix where the the Matrix is just flowing down, and you just have to you just learn to understand it, man. Is that is that what I think that the Matrix played no small part in me getting into computer programming? Not with me. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was I was ready. I was primed and and prepared at that point. I think that there are a lot of people like you. That you can probably find on 4chan. <laughs> Thank you. I'll I'll go look for them there. <laughs> All right. Well, this week on the pod, uh, I'm going to continue my study of the different statistics in the second half. But first, Eric is going to talk about the average draft position that we've been seeing in 2017 and how to combine disparate data sources. Take it away, Eric. One of the main topics I want us discussing this season is collective wisdom. In episode 0.18, we poked at this topic with a stick, waxing poetic about Frank Galton and his farm animals. And this year, I want us to go further. Vox Populi, the opinions and beliefs of the majority, um, may be very useful in fantasy sports. Ergo, vis-a-vis, concordantly... How have people voted with their feet for different players? Uh, Last year, we discussed this notion as it relates to player ownership. Today, we'll discuss ADP, average draft position, um, data that I found from Mike on Fantasy Pros. Uh, There is also an implicit side note, which was the second part of what Mike was mentioning. Collecting and collating data from various sources is difficult work. Uh, For instance, you got to love formatting discrepancies between disparate databases. CBS says DeGrom with its DE uncapitalized, G capitalized, and then Fantasy Pros has capital D, lowercase e, uppercase G. So this really throws off case-sensitive scripts which both Mike and I use a lot. And there are various problems like that. Also, just shortened names like Alex and Alexander. Yeah, I think juniors always give me a problem too. Because some some places don't record juniors or some places will use it as a third column. (laughs) Or they'll separate it. They'll also comma separate it. And like, ugh, I have to make a way to treat this. And then some will have capital. It'll be capital J-R. Yes. And some will be capital J, lowercase r, period. So (laughs) shout out to all the people that are fighting with different text formats. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So what's so special about ADP? Mike, we've mentioned this before. Why why do you like ADP? I personally love ADP because I like to use it to try and get a sense of what other people are thinking. I think it's yeah. one of the most valuable windows that you have in the insight of other people, you know, where you don't always have to value a player where they're valued 
at ADP or even where they're valued by rankings, but you want to have a picture of like, is this guy going to be available in another round or at my next pick or is he going to be gone? Yeah, absolutely. You can look at all the different uh, sources out there, paid for, free, etc., and you can kind of create a little echo chamber and you have no idea and then all of a sudden you're in the draft room and someone takes John Gray two rounds before you expected them to. Not that that's relevant or anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I, I have a couple bullet points here, but identifying players that other drafters think the rankers got wrong is one of the things that I really mm. like about ADP. When you see discrepancies between what the popular consensus is upon uh, among experts and then the average draft position is significantly different, you can... You know, you can kind of go with that. If there are a lot of people who think that someone's going to have a bad season, then go with it. I also think that it helps inform, as as you were saying, kind of the, the hot and cold players in terms of, like, who's on everyone's mind and um, who might be going a little bit earlier or a little bit later because they're in the news for good and or bad things. And then I think of it always as a way to kind of uh, simplify data, not data compression. What what is the term for uh, for something like that? But it's it's really a way to kind of simplify a whole bunch of numbers, past performance, projections, injuries, rankings, buzz, etc., into like one number. What is that term? Oh, I see. I see. Mike is thinking about it too. It's not data compression, which is what I was thinking about all all day long we'll we'll think about it later well it's, i would call it dimensional reduction if i was doing science but uh... <laughs> oh data reduction data reduction in a way i guess yeah all right so what have what have i done um i grabbed AD, adp data from fantasy pros uh their website with a slick web scraping tool in python that i put together uh, more on web scraping from mike here in a bit i cleaned up that table I grabbed CBS projections that are league specific, or CBS projections in league ownership and uh, player rankings that are specific to our league. I combined the data sets together. <laughs> I had to. I spent more work identifying name mismatches than any other piece of this. So there, I think I have a name, a list of like thirty names. That are just in a uh, in a CSV that um, the script goes through and changes those names. Oh, that's horrible! <laughs> in Fantasy Pros, <laughs> I know, I know, oh, but man. it's something that I've always needed to do. So it's good that I finally did it. Um, and then I I opened up that data in Excel, started sorting, found some interesting stuff. Mike, you've had a chance to look at this. Um, anything interesting? And also, how do you uh, prefer to look at at uh, tabular data you know it's funny because i've i've really never i really haven't been much of a table guy apart from you forcing me to look at a ton of tables in the past year yep so yep. i think i you know i've warmed up to it in in that period of time uh this table i find interesting i love the fact that there's a standard deviation in it mm, yeah i knew that would that would get you, you knew that would appeal to me in your pants yeah well you know i love thinking about the underlying distributions not just the the, the peak value 
there are some some big deviations. Oh, aren't there? I know. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like the guys at the beginning that's that have big deviations. Like I'm just looking at uh, Jonathan VR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he he's going 36, but his one standard deviation is 17, which means that like two th- two thirds of the values are between drafting him first and drafting him like 60th. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I, my favorite standard deviation is Mike Trout. Oh, yeah. His best ranking, according to the experts, <laughs> is number one. His average ranking is one. His standard de- standard deviation is 0.2. Yeah, like, like <laughs> guys, don't pick anyone but Mike Trout first. Like, don't, do not overthink this. Yeah, don't, don't be an idiot. <laughs> Draft him here. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh so I have a couple of interesting tidbits that I've I've found when uh, while well, looking at this for uh, a half hour or so. Um, so why don't I just run through them? So underdrafted fact: uh, flatulent fellas stalwart Cole Calhoun is ranked 128 by the Fantasy Pros ranking aggregator. This takes um, a bunch of different experts, air quotes, um, across the internet and and comes together with one number um averaging their rankings adp of 180 that's a full 52 spots back of that average ranking that's crazy um that's that's pretty that's pretty crazy so uh, i did this he was the top of the 150 ranked players he was the top worst uh drafted player that's i mean that's four full rounds (laughs) i know it's yeah four full rounds behind where he's ranked and then Albert Pujols was second, and I just drafted him. <laughs> so did you draft him at value? I drafted him right at the ADP, where the ADP said to. Mm. So it, it was fine. That's cool. <laughs> um, overdrafted fact. So closers galore. A ton of closers are being overdrafted, I, a.k.a. drafted before their, AD, um, their ranking suggests to be drafted. So Mark Melanson is ranked uh, 105 by Fantasy Pros experts, um, and his ADP is 77. That's 28 spots ahead of his ranking. Wade Davis, Uris Familia, Cody Allen, Kenley Jansen, Araldis Chapman, and Sung Wan Oh are all in the top 12 of overdrafted players in that top 150 players. That's amazing. Good thing I own Cody Allen. Well, at least Zach Britton doesn't <laughs> show up on there. Yeah. I picked two players of note from one from each of our squads. Um, season zero stalwart, Billy Hamilton, <laughs> ranked 90 by the experts, drafted at 67, 23 spots ahead. That is not the last time we're going to talk about Billy Hamilton in this podcast. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> David Price is ranked 62, drafted 42, 20 spots ahead. Well, I think Billy Hamilton is the exact same reason the closers are being drafted ahead because you, you look up and say, I want to I get that category. And his projection of 65 stolen bases is like, okay, well, I won't have to think about that for a while. <laughs> Did you find any uh, interesting tidbits? Well, I mean, other than I got really fixated on the standard deviations, man. Like you, you got to know that that's kind of my thing. I think, you know, I got I got sort of bogged down looking at the predictions and trying to figure out why people were picking them so early or picking people, you know, where they did. 
Um, and one of them, I mean, in our league or in general, no, in general, I think, I mean, like the Trey Turner mm-hmm. thing, I think people must be picking him because of the projected stats, not because they, you know, have a fully formed opinion of him yet. Most rankers are pretty bullish on him, but not yours truly. No, I, I, I don't think either of us is, is super in on that, but I guess we'll, we'll probably end up eating some crow on that one. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Spring training is going in earnest, and we are back to weekly. Enjoy the outtake. I don't think I would want to be in that farmer. No. Almonds, pistachios. You remember all those nut trees that we saw in California? Oh, I do, actually. That was really stunning. <laughs> a lot of nut trees. When you think about that, you're basically in a desert where water is being pumped in from miles away. I've, I've often found the economics of nut farming to be just bizarre. So last week we looked at K's, uh, but this week we're going to turn to the hitting side, probably alternate for a little bit here, and try and make some inferences about runs. Based on nothing but a feeling, it seems like three good base stats to use to predict runs are going to be OBP, plate appearances or at-bats, and the previous year's run rates. Yeah. So the first question here for me is how do you come up with a metric that you like? And I know that I have to confront the elephant in the room here, which is that I love OBP and I want to make it a scoring category in our league. How do you feel about OBP? I, I like OBP, but I I feel like I've finally seen the dark side um, from Ben version 2.0. And like the league is has used batting average for so long that I like it does color my perspective on things. But yeah, I like on base percentage a lot more. I mean, that would have changed. We were railing on Carlos Santana last year, and <laughs> if, if we had an OBP league, he would have been an all star. You know that my team was carefully constructed to be an OBP team in an average league. Yeah, no, but th- there you go. That's. You're playing on different <laughs> levels. You're playing checkers while we're all playing chess. <laughs> that, yeah. It's <laughs> usually not the side of that equation you want to be on. No. Nope. So the other thing that I was thinking is that I personally like ratio stats much more than counting stats. And so that sort of colors a lot of my analysis as we're getting going here. Mm. What do you think? You trust ratio stats more than counting stats for evaluating players? I like ratio stats better, but I know how to analyze counting stats better so i find Mm -hmm. myself gravitating towards them just because i know know what they mean it's the whole you know if if you have a hammer then every problem is a nail (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i kind of agree with that we're gonna we're gonna confront that a little bit here so again uh just also to set the stage i like the guiding principle here where where i think about the try and think about the underlying distribution more than the detailed numbers themselves do you try to think about the underlying distribution or you just take the numbers when you see them? I, I try to think about the underlying um, distribution as I as I do analysis. Yep. You're kind of a Bayesian, I think. You know, you're always bit. thinking about that probability field. And it's in the back know, of my head, even if I'm not um, doing the analysis straight to it. Yeah, it's such a weirdly abstract concept though. It took me a long time to think about, you know, like okay, well, you know, he only scored this many runs. Like he did score that many runs. That's a fact. But like, 
we ran the season out 10,000 times, what is the probability that he scores exactly that many runs again versus more versus less? Yeah, exactly. So I try to think about it on that level, maybe pretty cursorily. And you mentioned a little bit about getting it done earlier, um, about scraping the fantasy pros, except on my side, I'm looking at the player prediction page, not the ADP. Mm -hmm. I got to thank you. I did use your scraper slightly repurposed. Yep. Uh, to grab the other stuff. And it, it, it works out pretty well. It's pretty slick. Um, I, I hate delving into the HTML to figure out the format that you have to use. Oh, my God. It's a pain in the butt. Yep. But And they actually use a different table header for Fantasy Pros player predictions. Of course. Than of course. The, yeah, I know. Of course. So scraping is sort of a dirty business. Uh, I wouldn't wish it on any of our listeners. Hopefully, we can make some of these tools public in the near future so that people can not suffer through our same pain. <laughs> it's amazing when you look at the at the code at the end, you know, cuz code is really you try to minimize how many lines of code you write. But the amount of lines of code that you test, mm. <laughs> it might end up being 20 lines of code, but you've tested 200 lines of code. Yeah, no, I would I would say that's accurate. I mean, this I was I actually counted the lines in the script. It's twenty five lines to go, you know, go from start to having a scatter plot of OBP versus runs for each player. It's only twenty five lines, but you are right. It included you know some delving into the web developer tools to figure out what mm-hmm. the table format was, yeah, and then testing a bunch of lines, retesting a bunch of lines. I mean, I don't know how many times I executed the same five lines of code to see if they would work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how many times you print out millions of lines of HTML <laughs> I <know>. code? <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we can save our listeners some of that pain with our experiences. Yeah. But. That's all the boring stuff. The exciting stuff is that we have what are our first graphs of the year to share with each other. Let us post them on the Twitters. Immediately. Yeah. So this first one that we're looking at is OBP on the x-axis versus runs divided by Mm -hmm. at-bats. And I'll talk about a little bit of why we did that. I see someone to the top right that I would expect to see. Uh, don't don't remind me. I mean, this is again my OBP league. Uh, Joey Votto, just coming in, just crushing it on the OBP. But his runs per at bat or plate appearance are going to be lower than you want. Them. Oh, I wasn't even making fun of you. I was talking about the one to the top right, Mr. Trout. Oh, of I know. I mean, killing it. Yeah. So. There's a couple of things on this plot. Um, we're just looking at the upper echelon here. So we're looking at the guys that are high in both of these. So the guys that are going to have high OBPs and high ratios of runs per at-bat. Um, and I like to think about runs per at-bat for a couple reasons, and we'll talk about those in a little bit. But what this does is that there's actually a pretty strong relationship in general between runs per at-bat and OBP. And so I put on here the a fit a fitted line based on the underlying distribution. And part of the reason that I did this is because I tend to trust the general stats, that is the distribution that the league has more than I trust individual stat lines. Meaning from year to year, the total number of runs scored in the MLB is not that different. The total number of runs scored and the total number of at-bats is not all that different. And the total Mm -hmm. OBPs don't change a whole lot. But individual players can bounce around a ton. And so trying to isolate 
um, where they perform relative to the distribution seems to tell me something valuable. So I put a fitted line on here. Uh, I think it helps guide your eye a little bit and try and tell you where OBP can really be a red herring. Uh, for instance, Joey Votto, killer OBP, but he's not going to be as efficient at scoring runs as somebody with a much lower OBP. For instance, it makes me pretty sad that George Springer is going to have the same runs per at-bat ratio. So he's going to be more oh, efficient wow. at scoring runs per plate appearance than Joey Votto, even though Joey Votto gets on base all the time. Well, how much of that is batting order? Well, I've considered that um, batting order, but it's not that important, at least at the upper echelon, right? So most of the guys mm -hmm. here aren't vote aren't batting first or second, right? Most of the guys in the upper levels here. So we're looking at you know the ob the the obvious suspects. There's Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Miguel Cabrera is up in this upper echelon. Freddie Freeman. None and of these Josh guys Donaldson. are batting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He's up there, too. And then there's this nice Cubs bump as well. You've got Anthony Rizzo, <laughs> yep. Chris Bryant, and Kyle Schwarber all up in this, in this like, please pick me regime. But this is kind of, this is interesting. Like, at least in our league, this is kind of telling you that Chris Bryant um, is more valuable than Paul Goldschmidt to me. So per plate appearance. To you and the way that you're thinking about constructing your team. Yes. Yeah, well, I guess this is just in a sense of, yeah, if you wanted to optimize runs, if you were like, I just want to win runs every week, Chris Bryant is more efficiently getting you there than Paul Goldschmidt. Yep. And then there's an interesting point that I was sort of alluding to before, which is why did I do runs versus at-bats, runs over at-bats, the ratio of those, as oh, opposed right. to straight runs. And I put this other plot together. And the trick is is that you hilariously end up with guys that are not really going to score any runs, but still are going to post very solid OBPs. Mm -hmm. So the reason that runs and OBPs don't track is because when you're comparing a ratio stat to a counting stat, you can get guys that have great ratios and poor counting stats. The the And there's a simple reason for this, mostly, which is how many at-bats these guys are predicted to see in the majors. So my guy, Jesse Winker, he's coming up for the outfield for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he's going to have a phenomenal OBP. You know, he's had a great OBP at every level, but, you know, he's not going to score any runs this year. <laughs> he's he's yeah, so far he's called off up in chart. September, he's, uh, he, he'll get three or four runs. Yeah, that's right. So I think, but actually this exposes to me an interesting split between the guys that you want to draft and the guys that you want to target in season. So in order to get draft value, you want to pick those guys that are going to play all season that are going to be there. But Jesse Winker is going to have real value when he comes up and when he's playing. What does that mean for Joe Maurer, though? <sighs> I think for Joe <laughs> Maurer, they're thinking that he's going to sit a lot. I mean, he's going to oh, have true. a great... He's well, two things. He's gonna sit a lot and he's on a shitty team. <laughs> yeah. So he he's not gonna get a lot. He's not gonna get a ton of support here. That's um true. but you know, he's still he's a valuable role player, and if we were in an OBP league, I don't know. This is it's interesting who you would pick. So I think my point is more that if you're thinking about how you wanna draft guys to get real value out of them the ratio stat is really valuable to tell you, you know, how efficiently they're going to score. I mean, there are some guys that are predicted to score really high runs like Ian Kinsler and Brian Dozier. You know, this is telling me something about 
Um, or I this brought me to a question about global draft strategy, which is: Is there ever a point in the draft where you are thinking about um, their usefulness when they're playing, as opposed to their usefulness all season, or do you only think about you know start to finish in the season? This is going to be this player's value. I I think about it every single draft. I think I want to have a team constructed that will work for the whole year. And then by week number three, I say to myself, crap, what was I doing? <laughs> I'm going to need to deal with all of these players that are one week <laughs> wonders. And then you'd have to completely rechange your thinking. Um, and then, then you drop half of those players that are having slow starts. And then you watch them realize their stats that they were projected to have on someone else's team. Yep. That's what happens. All right, buddy, you about ready to wrap it up? Yeah. All right, so I have two numbers here for you. Do you do you know what they are? I've been trying to puzzle this out. I Googled it, and uh, weird stuff comes up, so you're going to have to tell me. So this is a score of your twins versus the Rays, which oh, was all, all the talk in <sighs> Minneapolis. Zero to 19. Who cares, man? It's <laughs> spring training games. It was you. I mean, people were basically that day were like, "Well, you know, the Vikings might have a good shot next year." <laughs> it's like they skipped over the entire twin season already. Come on, man! The Wild just made some big deadline moves, so, right? Uh, and oh, I mean, hey, the the T Wolves are looking exciting. It was oh god. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty funny, but zero to nineteen. That was that was pretty funny. Well, I I asked when I was told that score. I asked, it was against a professional team, at least, right? <laughs> it wasn't like... Maybe it was split squads, man. Come on, was it a split <laughs> squad? Please tell me it was a split squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that's pretty good. So, our review session continuing in the food trends this year. Apricot. I think there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of feelings here. I think I have to say that my first exposure to apricots was dried apricots, and I was mm. way out. Yeah. Well, dried fruit at a young age is not high on the list. Oh, I've always been about dried apples. I was always really? about dried apples. No huh. questions there. But dried apricots, they'd come in those like those weird short cylindrical plastic containers. And I just remember I, I, thinking, yeah. this is never going to end. I'm going to keep getting these in my lunch. <laughs> Like I'm gonna have to keep eating them. But, How do I get through these so that mom and dad will have me give me something better for lunch? Yeah, you know there there is definitely a maturity to liking dried fruit because I will say that I kind of like dried fruit now. Is this now going to be a dried fruit review? Session? No, no, no. It's still about apricots. But my point is, is that I actually I like apricots in all forms now. Really, all forms. Oh yeah, I oh I love fresh apricots. Do you get annoyed by the size to the flesh to pit ratio? <laughs> that that is rather <laughs> annoying. Yeah, I, I you know I have a similar kind of experience of having, you know I guess my father was just Northern European versus Central European <laughs> I guess versus a, a true Scandinavian. But yeah, apricots around dried apricots and apricot flavored everything somehow and sort of an acquired taste but um i really hated it 
as a kid, and now I've gotten <laughs> to the point where I, I um, mildly enjoy it. Yeah, I think there is something really, just to build on our discussion from last week, something really disappointing about apricot jelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apricot preserves are... Um, <laughs> Are definitely a little underwhelming. There's just not really much flavor there in the preserve form. I also felt the same way about mm-hmm. the the dried fruit. It doesn't really have that much flavor. Mm, agreed. And really, the best way to eat it is like I think the best way to eat it is fresh. And then yes, you have that <laughs> flesh to pit problem. It's like <laughs> if you have a good apricot, you want more of it, and it's tiny. Yeah, no, you got to pick like a handful of them. Like I think however many apricots you can fit in one hand is the appropriate number to eat. At but a that's, time. I mean, it's like the same as eating like seeded grapes. It's like you don't want to be st- <laughs> <laughs> like taking that much time to eat, eat your apricot, eat your fruit. <laughs> You're a real, real fruit efficiency kind of guy here. All right, well, so, so wait, I'm, I'm a little confused. I'm in on apricots. Where are you on apricots right now? Ambivalent. Mm, ambivalent. <laughs> Wow. I didn't think that was allowed for the review sessions, but I'll allow it. <laughs> All right. Good thing. You say, Good man. thing. I'm the one who said it, right? All right. Time for a little housekeeping on that bombshell. Uh be sure to follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. You can try tracking down our personal email or sending us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. 